Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, coming to you from Hackettstown, New Jersey, as I always say, right? Because that's the, unless I'm on the road someplace, that's the only that's the only place I record over in Hackettstown. So, uh, hey, that's what it is here. You can't you can't take the kid off the farm, or you can take the kid off the farm, but you can't take the farm out of the kid, I guess, right? Or something like that they used to say. But uh, I sincerely want to thank you all for joining me today. And I need to give a big old Cat Swamp Road shout out. Because I got a very nice note in the email. And uh, I got a pin in my map. And I have to shout out and say thank you to Mr. Alistair Prout. And Mr. Prout listens to this guy from Cat Swamp Road over in Tamworth, Australia. So, uh, and Mr. Prout, I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your first name correctly because it's spelled Alistair, so I don't know whether it's pronounced Alistair or Alistair. I think it's pronounced Alistair. So please forgive me, but if you listen to the show, you know I get a lot of stuff wrong here with pronunciations. <clears throat> but Tamworth, Australia, so I put a pin in my map for Tamworth, Australia. And when someone gives me a, blesses me with a, a pin in my map, and I want, and Mr. Prout also, I want to thank you so much for listening. And he says that he enjoys the podcasts and that he's learned so much. And, you know, as I look at myself more as an educator than anything, uh, even though I have no formal training in education whatsoever, I seem to have no formal training in anything that I do. But um, so, you know, when somebody tells me that they learn from my shows, I cannot tell you, Mr. Prout, how good that does my heart, because that's what it's all about. Uh, I feel that the good Lord has brought me to this place in my life to bring education to the good people of agriculture around, not only in my beloved America, but around the world. And then, uh, and for someone to tell me that just, just makes my day. So thank you so much, Mr. Prout for saying that you are learning and you've learned a lot from the show. And, uh, and when someone does bless me with a pin in my map, that's one good thing about the about the internet and uh, probably only, probably one of the few good things. I mean, if I, to tell you the truth, if I got out of this industry, got out of my writing career, and I don't even want to call it broadcasting, I don't even know what, I, what this is, but uh, probably the first thing I would do is throw the computer in the, in the garbage. I'm really not a computer person and uh, what have you. I mean, it's like anything in life. It's got, you know, it, it's, nothing is all bad and nothing is all good, but uh, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not really much interested in it. But one of the things it's good for specifically in this walk of life is that I could look up the person's town or their area when they give me a pin in my map. And what I found out is that Mr. Prout from Tamworth, Australia. The Tamworth is the Nashville of Australia. And there's the, the big guitar. And it's a beautiful, beautiful town and it's a beautiful area. And uh, so I went on, I went and I did some searches for Tamworth and saw some pictures and uh, 
It's a beautiful area, and uh, Mr. Proud is blessed to live there. And Australia itself is such a beautiful country. And I always wanted to visit Australia and New, Eng- New England, New Zealand. <clears throat> but uh, and I do have a listener in uh, Tasmania. And and I, I may have more than a listener in Tasmania. I don't know. I only know if people reach out to me. So let me just put it that way. I'm being, I want to be humble. I don't want you to think that, oh, I got listeners all over the place. So, uh, but the thing is that uh, Tasmania is truly beautiful. I don't really know. Uh, sadly, I'm very ignorant about the uh, geography and the country breakdown of, uh, so I believe that Tasmania is part of Australia, uh, but I may be incorrect but where Mr. Prout lives in Tanworth is a beautiful, beautiful area. And what I'm going to do is my radio show is on Rural Radio Sirius XM channel 147. And then, as you all know, I list it as a podcast one week after it airs on the satellite. <clears throat> but for some reason, that sa- the satellite doesn't go around the world. You tend to think it is, but I guess it's maybe where they focus the beam I'm, I'm using the word beam with a signal but uh the rural radio channel 147 is located or headquartered i should say in nashville so what i'm going to do is i'm going to reach out to them and i'm going to tell them that mr prout reached out to me from i got let me make i got it written down here tamworth and maybe they'll do a little thing on uh because they have a TV network, RFD TV. Maybe they'll do a little thing because Tamworth seems to be a sister city to Nashville. So, uh, so I don't, I can't say that's going to happen. But I think that they will enjoy hearing that. And Mr. Prout, I want to thank you so much for listening all the way from around the world. That is uh, very, very, very humbling. So uh, let me see what else I want to tell you. Oh, <clears throat> I started to. Uh, I finally put my first planting in of corn, and it was a typical, <laughs> typical planting season. It's beginning, well, whatever. You know, farming is like the Indy 500. Whatever happens, unless you crash and hit the wall on the first lap or blow up the engine, it really doesn't make much of a difference. You could have a great first couple of laps and then fail at the end or lose at the end or blow up or vice versa. But, uh, I went, you know, the funny part about it is that no matter how much you check things, there always has to be something, I shouldn't say always, but there usually is something that goes wrong. And I have a Mickey Mouse operation here. I mean, so, I mean, compared to a lot of my listeners, I mean, this is not even a big garden. So uh, a lot of my listeners, I can't even turn their tractor around in my field. But, you know, you check everything over, you do your due diligence, you make sure everything is good, and then you go into the field and and something happens. Well, I go into the field and I my planter is set up for liquid fertilizer in a two by two. And I check everything over weeks ahead of time, so in case there's a problem, it's you know, that I could take care of it. And everything looks good. I go into the field, open up the valve for the liquid fertilizer. And what I basically do is I my planter uses a squeeze pump. So you uh, have the the squeeze pump. I'm going to call it unlatched. It's not really a latch. It's not. It's not. It's not compressed. So at that particular point, full flow will go to the fertilizer tubes. 
And so I, I, I use that to check the fertilizer tubes again and to prime it and to prime the system. So as soon as I put the planter in the ground, that from the seed one, it's got the two by two fertilizer. Instead of having it to work its way through and go 10 feet down the row before it starts to uh, flow fertilizer. So, and what I do is I check the fertilizer, I check the tubes out because uh, I put the, the plant at the bed empty. I wash out the fertilizer tank, run pure water through it, a liquid fertilizer tank, and uh, because that's so, I mean, that nitrogen is so caustic, even though you run water through it. I mean, a tank is plastic and the tubes are plastic. Or I shouldn't say the tubes, the piping is plastic, but the drop tubes are not. They're steel. And so I run pure water through it. Okay, fine, everything is good. Go into the field, right, get the planter set up, put the planter down, right? Open up my, do my test, my protocol, open up the valve on a liquid fertilizer. The one row unit is not flowing. I said, what? It's flowing a couple of weeks ago. What, what the heck happened? Nothing was, the planter was sitting in a shed. Well, and I've had this happen before. And I call them, I'm, I'm as far from an entomologist as possibly could be. I, I love all of God's creation, no matter what the insect is, or animal, or worm, or what have you, because our Lord created them. And the scriptures tell us that God honors, or God loves his entire creation. The word is loves. All right, and uh, so I love his creation. But we ha- and I call them mud wasps. And that's the only thing that I think they are. And a mud wasp got up in there and built a mud nest. And the fertilizer, the metal fertilizer tube comes down and has a gentle bend to go. So it has a uh, it has a, a, a double coulter there to, uh, to make a little furrow for the fertilizer, the liquid fertilizer. And the liquid fertilizer tube goes about two or three inches past the coulter. And it's and it and it's it has a maybe I'm not gonna say a 45 degree bend, maybe a 30 degree bend, a gentle bend, so it's facing backwards and above the ground, a little bit above the ground. I mean, it could be in the, it could run a little bit in the soil, and this way you're going forward. It's not gonna plug up, right? So uh, the thing is that so there was a, a mud wasp's nest in there, and so that was all plugged. So that happened. So it's all right, fine, and then. Uh, I go about an hour into planting, and then I I hear pop. I said, "What the heck is that?" And I have an open platform tractor. Like this is a Mickey Mouse operation. I don't have one of those big tractors with cab with a cab and heat and satellite radio in it and what have you, and air conditioning and auto steer. So uh, I hear pop. I said, oh "My God, what 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 the heck is that?" And I happen to look. And uh, by God's grace, and I'm saying it sincerely, is that <clears throat> I see something sticking out of my left front tire. I said, what the, it looks white. I said, oh my God. I said, did I break the Keaton seed firmer? Because those Keaton seed firmers are a pain in the neck to put in if you snap one, which I haven't done yet. But uh, so anyway, he said, ah. first of all, I said to myself, that doesn't make sense. How can it be the Keaton seed firmer stuck in a tire? It's a piece of plastic, and they said the other thing is that we're even if I busted it, it's not going to be there. So I jump off the tractor and I look, and it's a deer drop antler went right through the tire. 
So, uh, so thank God. And I'm, and then again, I'm, you know, when as a Christian, I don't say that the words "thank God" or "God willing" or what have you very tritely. I mean that sincerely. So I said, so I said, so I, so I said, well, maybe it's just stuck a little bit in the in the in, in the first ply. It didn't go all the way through. So I go to start the pot. Shh, I shove it back into the tire. And I say to myself, all right, well, this is not good. Let me finish this row. And I said a prayer. I said, Lord, please let me get back home. Because I got this planter on the back and the planter is heavy and uh, whatever. I said, please let me get back home with this tire so I could take the planter off and I could jack up the tractor and take off the tire. Thank God it was a front tire, uh, not a rear tire, because the rear tire with the weights on it and everything, I would not be able to handle it by myself. And a front tire I can't handle by myself. <clears throat> so the good Lord... At, I mean, it, it's amazing how the good Lord works. Because he got me home with he got me home with the planter, and uh, within five minutes of co- coming home with maybe not even five minutes, the tire was completely flat. So it it, it I mean it was actually pretty hard because I kept looking and said so, so boy so that tire must have some stiff sidewall because it's not even it's not even a Boeing and uh, he got me home and within within five minutes literally probably not even five minutes the tire was was sitting on the rim so uh I got that off and thank God I was able to get that to uh fixed in town uh I think the guy put a put a plug in it which is a hundred percent fine I could care less what he did. Uh, I asked him, I said, if you're going to put a patch plug in it, which they have they, those patches, and it, it's, it's got like a nipple on it, and you pull it through, and you glue it on like a uh, like a plug on the inside, and then you glue it so it's like a plug patch, they call it. But for some reason, he said, I, I don't know what he said, but I, I should say, I, should, I, don't, I was just happy to get it fixed because I needed to continue planting. So 24 hours later, later I was back in the field. But the first place I went to was a big tire. Well, it's called Mavis Tire. I mean, they're uh, they're pretty big in New Jersey. They have a New Jersey, maybe Pennsylvania, New York. They have a bunch of stores. And uh, so I went to Mavis, and uh, the guy I have the tire in the back of the pickup truck, and the you know the wheel in the back. So I said, so so this guy says, oh, let me come out and look at it. So. Uh, he comes out. He looks at it. He goes, "Oh," says, "I can't, I can't, I, I can't fix that." <clears throat> so thank God it was, it was right off the tread bar. If it was on the sidewall, obviously you can't fix it. But uh, whereas the as the tread rolls over to the sidewall, but it was right that right off one of the tread bars, almost in the middle of the tire. So uh, I said, "Why can't you?" I said. I mean, it was certainly pleasant enough to say, why can't you fix it? I said, I've had, you know, fixed tires like this before. He goes, oh, I can't do it. Liability, liability. <laughs> I wasn't going to, I mean, I'm not going to argue with the guy. But liability, I said, it's a farm tractor. I said, I planted like at four miles an hour. I said, liability, it's not going to go fly. You know, so, oh, no, I can't do it. Liability, too much liability, too much liability. So I says, oh, like I said, whatever. Now I'm not going to be a, a, a jerk. I'm not going to be a wise guy and fight with him. I mean, he obviously <clears throat> he either did not want to do it, 
or did not know how to do it or combination of the above i mean which is fine that's his prerogative i understand that but you know don't lie to me just say look i really i'm really busy i really don't want to get involved with a tractor tire and that's awkward for me to work with and my so i mean that's fine that's cool but the liabilities go keep going liability liability way too much liability can't do it liability <laughs> i said i guess it's liability meaning that maybe my corn won't grow which he could be 100 percent correct because i don't remember ever planting which i may have but let me put it this way <clears throat> since 2016 and why i use that as a as a benchmark is that's when i went to no-till so i do not remember ever planting in ground that is this dry oh my god it is so dry it'll be by god's grace that this seed germinates and emerges and uh terrible and uh there's no there's no rain in the forecast for another 10 or well at least 10 or 12 days based upon the forecast whatever that's worth and it's supposed to get fairly warm up around 90 degrees and that low cec soil uh gives up whatever moisture it has very quickly but we will see so i went to a different guy and uh in town and he said oh yeah no problem i can fix it you just will leave it here come back in an hour and a half so he did it he fixed it for twenty dollars it's holding air uh so it, i'm very happy i mean did it lose any air i didn't check it again in the past couple of days but it's certainly if it's losing air it's losing it at a very slow rate which is more than acceptable for me uh obviously i like to lose no air but that's more than acceptable for me and it's funny how in life something like that and i know it's not it's it's very common for people to run over drop antlers and lots of times it ruins a tire and you have to buy a whole new tire and uh but over here in new jersey it is just so awkward to farm because you either have to go to pennsylvania or new york state but from here probably pennsylvania because there's really not any services for anything and uh if it was a rear tire i don't even know whether i would have been able to get somebody to come with a service truck and then they got a ride in the field and uh, i don't like having trucks in my field compacting my soil so whatever so the good lord blessed me he, i was as blessed as i possibly could be while still having a punctured tire if that makes sense and oftentimes in life you have to look at it that way from my perspective that you say to yourself well you know this is as good you know you, you know, people say i got the good type of cancer right or something you would say they're crazy but but uh obviously if it, no cancer is good but if you're gonna have a cancer this is the best type to have i would get whatever that is and the same thing is with this i mean it's not a rear tire a rear tire would have been a nightmare even a front tire with uh a sidewall puncture would have been a nightmare because i'd have to probably go 100 or 200 miles to find the tire and then uh and like i said that would be extrapolated out into a uh into not getting any seed in the ground so that is basically that so no big deal in the scheme of life it is absolutely nothing the local radio station wrnj over here in hackettstown uh just on just the other day in memorial day weekend 
I think Friday of Memorial Day weekend or Saturday maybe, uh, in the town north of here called Sparta. Well, I don't know if it was really in Sparta. It's Newton Sparta Road, they said, which is two towns, Newton and Sparta, and this road connects the two. And I haven't been on there for years, but I really don't, re- I mean, I don't remember it being, I mean, it's a two-lane road. It's, uh, uh, whatever, I don't have much, it's it's fairly long road, so I don't know where it basically happened. But there was a, a terrific, oh, terrific, horrific head-on collision. It was a 2000 and I think 21 or 22 Jeep uh, Wrangler Unlimited which is, was probably a, a four-door, because most people here who buy the right, I think all the unlimited is a four-door, so I shouldn't say that, right? But anyway, uh, and hit a man with his two children. I think one was 11 or 12 years old, a boy, and a girl five years old, and the father was 36 years old, so they were all in the Ranger, 2001 Ranger, and I have a 2002, so it's basically the same truck. And uh, and this they they collided head on. I don't know. And they, somebody must have been going very very fast. Or maybe both of them were going very very fast. Well, the Ranger burst into flames, and the thirty-six-year-old man and his two children bur- literally burned up, uh, burned to death in the Ranger. The uh, Jeep. Un, uh, unlimited uh, was crashed. The, the volunteer fire department came. One of the volunteer firemen had to use his truck with a chain to pull the Jeep out of the Ranger because uh, they couldn't wait for anybody else to get there to try to get the man out. And the, other, and the man driving the Jeep was 22 years old, 21 or 22 years old. And they airlifted him with a helicopter to about 40 miles away to a bigger hospital. And by the time he got to the hospital, uh, he had expired. He passed away. So the tragedy being that this, I mean, this family, uh, the poor wife and mother lost her husband and her two children in one fell swoop. And obviously that other family lost their, their son. I don't think he was married at that age, but their son. So what a what a horrific, horrific accident. But the way that people drive today, and I'm you know I'm not being judgmental, but that's a two lane road. So I mean somebody was passing. All right, I would assume either somebody was passing or they were texting or not paying attention and wandered into the other lane. So and. Uh, they must have been going pretty fast, and I don't think they. I think it's a forty-five mile an hour speed limit there, but whatever. So I'm. I, I don't know. The facts are not out yet, but uh, terrible. What a what a tragedy! And then you think of the problems that you have in your life, and you're almost embarrassed to to to, to talk to to, to even to, uh, think about them, right? Because this poor mother, this poor young, I mean, if the husband was 36, the mother was probably, the wife was probably about the same age, maybe a little bit younger. And it, I mean, and the father takes the two kids, who knows, maybe went, went to the store or went to go someplace, right? And they do not come back. Terrible, 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 terrible. So uh, 
that is basically that. Let me see what else I want to tell you. I don't think there's anything else. But uh, <clears throat> if I sound a little bit lackluster today, uh, please know that I've been sick for the past couple of days. And uh, I was sick still this morning, and I didn't think I was going to be able to do this show. So if I feel a little bit like, if I sound like I am not too thrilled with this show today, it is not. Please know that it is not. It's just that I got some sort of bug in me, and uh, we'll go from there, right? So I I thank you in advance for your uh, forgiveness of my lackluster performance. But, you know, I'm going to... Today's show is going to be a little bit different, and you know I always like to try to make the shows a little bit different, not to be all the same all the time. No education, all right, but uh, I guess education today in a different format. And if and if you're listening to the show, then you probably saw the title right before as, as it posted. But uh, I'm calling this show, as you're well aware, if you saw the title, "The Day the Car Guy Died." And this has nothing to do with the with the t- t- terrible crash that happened, but you know, back in the seventies, there was a song. I think, I think the singer's name was Don McLean, and I don't know. I'm bad with all that stuff, and I really didn't even. Uh, after time, excuse me, I took a drink. Uh, <clears throat> no singers' names or whatever. Sometimes you did. And until I got the satellite radio, because it tells you, tells me, he tells you who the singer is. But anyway, and he had a song. I guess he had other songs also. And he had a song. Uh, I think it was called "American Pie," and it was. Uh, I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm not going to sing it for you. I actually tried to go online to see if I could get a free download of it because I was going to play it and I couldn't get a free download I guess there was but then you have to you have to you have to put some kind of software in and I'm not doing that because I did something like that once and it was uh, messed up my computer and uh, I know a lot of people are good at that but I'm not interested I get I got to get corn in the ground I'm not interested in jerking around and I don't, when it comes to the computer talk about fumbling my way through it well fumbling is being kind <laughs> okay so anyway but I knew the I knew most of the lyrics, and that song was written in the seventies, and uh, that was well. I guess in some ways it was a crazy time. It was a transitional time. I don't think it's as crazy as today, but uh, but but it was it was an area a time that was transitioning, and uh, so I look. So when you go online. There's different interpretations with the, well, what the song means, right? And just like like opinions uh, in life, everybody's got opinions. So, it, so there's a there's a, there's a a verse in that song, not a lyric. A verse in that song says, "I drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry." All right, and I liked that song as a kid because it had Chevy in it, right? I mean, it had well, how many songs? So it had Chevy, so it had a car in it, so I liked that, right? So uh, really, uh, that's how that's how uh, wacko I am because it had a car in it, and I liked it. So, uh, and then I remember years ago, my sister told me that a levy was a British term for gas station. Now, how she knew that, I have no idea. 
all right, because my sister's four and a half years older than me, but I remember in my mind, they said, well, why would they say I drove my Chevy to a levee and the levee was dry? Well, you know, during the energy crisis, right in the 74 and 79, the gas stations were dry, so I thought maybe that was, you know, the 79 energy crisis, even though the song came out before that. So I said to myself, well, why would you drive a Chevy to, if you say I drove a Vauxhall to a, to a levee or something? then it was it was dry but so I, that never made sense to me but i you know but i took it for face value and uh and that's one thing about human nature and we're all that way when you hear something for the first time that becomes the standard whether it's right or whether it's wrong it may not make sense to you but that becomes the standard so all this time for 30 years i've been thinking that the levee was a gas station and why are you driving a chevy in england to a gas station why do you have a chevy in england so anyway but so i i not none of it made sense but you 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 hear something for the first time and that's what you think is correct so i'm looking up the lyrics in preparation to this show today this podcast that's my show prep <laughs> looking up the lyrics lyrics to a song right i better not tell you that you say you're not gonna waste your time with this guy but anyway uh and then some interpretation of the lyrics and you know unless you had the songwriter tell you what he was trying to say you have no idea and like i said that was a time when these songs were really starting to be bizarre that the, I, I mean they're right they're singing about stuff and the or using these lyrics and the, like they make no sense whatsoever so anyway so one so one uh interpretation of it said that uh you know american kids would go cruising and a levee is you know keeps uh, keeps an area from flooding and they would drive their chevy to the levee and then uh they go up to the levee but the levee was dry that there was no water coming over the levee or near the levee you know i said all right that makes sense and then another interpretation i read uh and that's one thing about the computer is that there's a zillion interpretations of everything and god knows what they're right at least years ago if you looked in the encyclopedia britannica all right that was the gospel it wasn't everybody in their opinion post what everything means so uh another one said that well don mclean came from new rochelle new york and there was a bar in New York, New Rochelle, New York, that was called the Levy, but it was spelled a little bit differently. I think L E E V Y. It's L E V Y. Who knows? And he got to the to the bar, and the bar was already closing, so the Levy was dry. And then, so who knows what it really means? But it was you know, it was, and in that song, he's called. He's one of the verses are the day the music died and then another interpretation of it was well i guess when buddy holly and I, the, a couple of singers rock and roll singers i think in the 50s or early 60s got killed they were in one in a private plane and it crashed and they got three of them got killed and some people say that was a day the music died well whatever who knows all right so i don't want anybody to get killed but I don't put hold singers and actors and everything in any high esteem. Some poor guy going to work or doing something what gets killed, no one cares about him, right? But some rock and roll singer gets killed doing something, and oh, they they're going crazy over it, right? So anyway, or whatever, right? A soldier goes off to war, 
right, Memorial Day weekend, soldier goes off to war, so we're supposed to be talking, that's what it's supposed to be remembering, and gets killed and no one cares, but a singer gets killed, and then all of a sudden, it's the biggest tragedy in the world, or actor, or actress. So anyway, but uh, as I say, start to say a few minutes back, is that this is the day, and I don't mean metaphorically, I don't mean not that it's a metaphor, not that today is the day the car guy died. And you know, oftentimes in life, things die. I, I mean, everything that is born that dies, but I don't mean a, a person or an animal or a plant that dies, but something in society or something in the world that dies. And oftentimes it goes unnoticed by many or unnoticed by the majority of society. But in my way of thinking, that this era now is the era that the car guy is dying or has died. And what do I mean by that? The world is changing so much that things that we took for granted or things that we that were part of our existence, specifically here in America, are I'm going to say being taken away from us, all right? Because there's, you know, there's a difference. There's a difference in life when when something naturally dies or something is killed. So that an, an animal, a person naturally dies. Well, that's 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 just how God created created the world. Created all right. You live and you you die. And if somebody was murdered or somebody was killed or or like that terrible accident with the family I just spoke about in the Ranger pickup truck, and uh, then it, yes, that that's that's a little bit different from my my perspective. That's not even a little bit different. It's a lot different. And uh, you know, I I pray for all of my animals. And I pray that the good Lord gives them a long and blessed life with me and that they die of natural causes, that they don't befall to a tragedy. And uh, that is my prayer for them at least twice a day. So like I said, it's different when something is killed versus died. But the car guy is dying, or I should actually say he's dying because he's being killed. And so you'll say to yourself, well, if, if you're not into cars, if you're not into machinery, if you're not into all that stuff, all right, then you say, well, who cares if the car guy dies, right? Who cares about that? In the scheme of life, it's nothing, all right? And what I'm going to do is talk about today briefly, because I'm already long into this show, briefly about why I think it is important for the car guy to not to die. Now, and why I feel it's important for America and for the world for the car guy to not die. Now, <clears throat> let me let me stop over here and go off on a slight tangent. What is a car guy? Now, everything to some, you know, every, <clears throat> just like the interpretation of the words to American Pie, I think that song was called from Don McLean. Everybody had different interpretations of it and uh but my interpretation of a car guy and there's all different levels of car guy but what i'm talking about is the true 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 car guy the quintessential car guy you would say what the heck is a quintessential car guy 
Well, the quintessential car guy, from my definition, is some. And this is my definition. You could have you could have somebody who likes cars, and you know, and knows the different models. That's this. That's this. That's that. Right. But they don't know how anything works. They don't know how to fix anything. They don't understand. They look under the hood. They look at the suspension. They have no idea what they're looking at. All right, they can open the hood and say, well, that's an engine, all right, and it runs on gasoline or runs on diesel fuel. To me, that's not the car guy I'm talking about dying. All right, that person is a person who has a, a, uh, an interest with something. They have a, uh, a I don't want to say, a, it's not a passing fancy. They have an interest with something to a certain level, and it's just more, and it's, it's it's not to the, to the depth that I feel it needs to be to be qualified as a car guy. And a car guy is someone who not all, and, and then again, I'm, you know, saying in my, in my estimation, you know, years ago, uh, I had a friend, <clears throat> well, I shouldn't say I had a friend, <laughs> I had one friend years ago, no, but there was a, there was a guy I knew and he would go out with a girl and then he'd ask everybody, do you think she's pretty? Do you think she's pretty? Do you think she's pretty? And I used to say to him, what difference does it make? Yeah, it would be wonderful if I think she's pretty, right? But you don't have, but whatever, I, whether I think she's pretty or she's ugly is irrelevant. You have to think she's pretty. You have to like her. I don't have to like her. I, mean, I, only, I only know you. I don't have to like her. So the thing basically is, is that and uh, he was more concerned. Now, obviously, everybody would like to go out with a girl. That everybody says, oh, my God, yo, your girlfriend is so beautiful. Your wife is so beautiful. And ultimately, of course, that's, that's, that's icing on the cake. All right. But you have to think she's pretty. You have to like her. You have to fall in love with her, not me. So the thing is that, that is my interpretation as a car guy is someone who is truly is, is knowledgeable about the about the models the years the the options and what have you but is truly passionate about the mechanical aspects of the car and i don't mean saying oh this one's got a 400 cubic inch motor this one has 500 i don't mean that because that's a specification man he could rattle off specifications till a cow come home and then he could the, the engine could fall on his foot with a crankshaft like, what the heck is that on my foot All right <clears throat> i'm talking about somebody who knows who is I don't want to say this intimate works on does things all right understands how stuff functions how it works to me that's the true car guy and if you look back in the old days of auto racing whether it was nascar or whether it was uh <clears throat> or uh drag racing because i'm a drag racer i mean i i was okay with nascar as a young boy but back then they were real nascars they were real cars i remember seeing smoky unix car and you open the door it said body by fisher it was a pontiac all right not these things today which is just a temple and they put a decal on it's oh toyota camry uh you know ford fusion um, to me that's not nascar but anyway when you go back years ago and i'm going to use drag racing as a uh, as my metric that i'm going to measure everything by using it as an example is that all of the old time drag races i'm talking about the 60s and 70s probably up even to the early 80s all right this was grassroots even though they were considered the pro series right with pro meant that it was either a uh, top fuel uh, nitro burning or like a pro stock but these guys built their own engines they built their cars 
that lots of times they drove the car carrier or the trailer, the truck with the trailer to the track. I remember Chrysler had an ad in the 60s of uh, Richard Petty using a Dodge pickup truck and uh, towing his, his NASCAR uh, his stock car to uh, the track on an open trailer, right? These guys built the engines. I mean, they, they, they did everything themselves. And I'm not saying they did everything themselves. They did the majority of things themselves. You may say, well, okay, I'm not a good paint man. I didn't paint it or I didn't weld the roll cage in, but I built the engine. I did this. I put it together and uh, <clears throat> I put the engine in the car. So they did the majority of things themselves. And uh, <clears throat> And even if it was not on the pro level, if it was a, a weekend warrior, then and you know he would go and he would build an engine. He would pour the cylinder head, or or maybe he'd have somebody port the head, but he would put the engine together. All right, so there was grease under their fingernails. And what is important about that to me? Because in the scheme of life, somebody could be listening and saying, well, what difference does it make? Who cares, right? And I think that's one of the problems with the world today. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? You know? And uh, like when we left all the, uh, well, the, the billions of dollars, billions would have been in Afghanistan, or Hillary Clinton left <clears throat> those those people in Benghazi, and she just say, what difference does it make? It was months ago. What difference does it make? Well, it does make a difference. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the thing is that <clears throat> I'm just going to get a uh, drink of water here for a moment. But I'm going to try putting the dragster on. <clears throat> I didn't kill the microphone. So how good was that, right? But anyway, you said, what difference does it make? Well, it does make a difference. Because if you truly want to understand how engines work, how transmissions work, how different things work, you will only get a cursory, and I'm, and this is not my opinion, I would say this is fact, you will only get a cursory exposure to it or a cursory knowledge going to the best auto mechanic school. Because when you build things, when you, and specific, when I say build things, when you when when you're building, and I'm going to use drag racing as an example, when you a drag racer and you build a drag motor and you do this and you do that and and what have you, then it forces you to have an intimacy with how that functions, and then and that is to me a true car guy. So if you're a true car guy. And you and you uh, and you and you don't have to be have a, a ten thousand horsepower car, right? And you did that, and you put a camshaft in, and you did this, and you figured out push rod length, and you uh, could understand why the car wasn't sixty footing, or you you were playing around with the torque converter. That is going to give you a foundational education that you will get nowhere else in the world. I'm sorry, you get nowhere else in the world because when you're learning mechanics, auto mechanics, diesel mechanics, all right, electric electronics, all right, and you're not building something and modifying it. When you build something or you modify it, like I said, I'm going to use drag racing as an example. When you're modifying things, 
then you have to understand how they work. So just like an agronomist has to understand how a plant grows and has to understand nutrient tie up in the soil, has to understand and, and the, the way that the nutrients go through the plant and all these different things. I mean, for you driving the tractor and me driving the tractor and having the plant to put the seed in the ground, that doesn't make me anything more than a tractor driver. All right, so the thing is that <clears throat> you have to understand that. And the only way that you are going to understand to a higher level is by modifying things and building them. Because when you modify things and build them, it's going to cause you to look at a higher level. So for instance, let's pick, and then I'm going to make us use this as a segue into why the world needs to care about the, the, the day the car guy died. Because when you, for instance, a camshaft, as I start to say, <clears throat> so you could go to a, a person who, whatever, they un, they have an understanding of engines. They say, what does a camshaft do? Well, it opens and closes the valves. Okay, how does it operate? Well, it operates off the crankshaft. How does it operate off the crankshaft? Well, in most instances, it operates either off a chain or a belt, or on some engines is a gear train, a set of gears, <clears throat> a lot of diesel engines have that some gasoline engines had it too a gears to drive the camshaft off the crankshaft okay fine that's wonderful a thousand percent correct all right so what is it doing it just opens and closes. it has a lobe on it and then the valve lifter or cam follower rides up and down the lobe and it goes and it opens up the valves and then that the, the mixture comes in there and then the exhaust goes out okay that's very 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 simplistic a hundred percent correct hundred percent correct okay so when like when you so why would you want to change the camshaft in a to a, to build when you're building a drag race engine when it's just opening and closing the valves you should be able to use the stock cam uh, makes more power the answer well how does it make more power all right well i'm not going to explain that right here but that is a segue so that causes you to understand to a higher level how the cam what the function of the camshaft is beyond just opening and closing the valves all right so now and if you look at that look at every aspect of so now you're building this drag engine and you buy a camshaft out of a catalog and it says this is the biggest camshaft or whatever term they use right and years ago in the 60s and 70s they just say three-quarter cam full cam well there's no such thing full race three it's got, I got a three-quarter cam and what's a three-quarter cam it only opens the valves three-quarters of the way that was a metric that was a term that people use full race cam or what's a full race cam there isn't you know what's the prettiest girl right is you like the, is my girlfriend pretty i mean what is the, so the thing basically is is that it means absolutely nothing you have to understand that and the only way that you are going to understand is to get involved and to, to get involved with building or 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 studying how the different aspects of an engine work and a basic mechanics class a basic mechanics education does not explain that to you so for instance using it as an example when i worked for Allen test products there was a bunch of well 4100 cadillac 
engines and some other GM engines that the camshafts would go flat. Well, the camshafts would start to go flat on that, eventually go flat. And what they would basically do is they would wear the lobe down. I remember I had an Eldorado, not me, I was, had an Eldorado uh, that I did a, a, a diagnostic on HD 4100 Eldorado. thing had like zero power, Power could hardly climb a hill. Ran beautifully, idled beautifully, quiet as a church, church mouth, mouse, idled smooth, idled, <coughs> idled, <coughs> idled slowly, beautiful, right? No power. And I looked at the scope patterns, and I said to the guy, I think the cam is flat on this motor. That is, it's wearing the lobes off, which was a problem with those in certain years back back 40 years ago. But anyway, so the thing is that, so he says, well, how can you tell that from looking at the scope pattern? Because the scope pattern is the picture of the firing of the spark plug and an oscilloscope gives you an electrical signal it gives you an electrical picture i should say not signal all right of the firing of the spark plug so he said still how can i tell you right well they could tell you because it's all based upon cylinder pressure so if the engine has less cylinder pressure then it's going to be represented in the amount of what's called the ionization voltage to light the spark plug all right and if it has and if the camshaft is going flat and not opening the valves far enough it's it's still going to run because if the cam is going flat uniformly or more or less uniformly then the thing is that every cylinder is going to be even but the valve is going to be only opening a little bit all right so it's going to run smooth it's going to run quiet but it's going to have very very low ionization voltage because it doesn't have much cylinder pressure to go against all right but how and i'm not tooting my own horn well when you build a drag engine all right you're looking at different things and you're looking at cylinder pressure you have to understand why you need a a more pointed ignition system and that's why years ago they used to have dual points dual point distributors to make a higher uh to make a more potent i'll use that word ignition system they had capacitive discharge because it was all based upon the cylinder pressure that was caused by the opening and closing of the valves from the camshaft so all right so that's just a, a, an, an example now why is this important to the world why is the death of the car guy and i'm going to just divest again for a minute is that you know i love drag racing i'm the hot rod farmer that's my favorite 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 form of motorsports the next form of motorsports that i like the best after drag racing is track the pull i love tractor pulls but i don't i i like i think they call them the pro stock or the super stock tractors i don't like these things with 20 with four engines on them that don't look like a tractor at all or what have you and uh, so but anyway the, th- <clears throat> the thing is that so i watch some of these drag racing videos and and you know you have these people today and uh, no disrespect and they have the, like this one tv show no prep kings all right when they run on a non-prep service of a track and and these cars are absolutely i mean they're making four thousand horsepower but you go you know and and you know back i I come from an era when you when you went to the drag strip and you spoke to you spoke to uh 
Bill Jenkins, or you spoke to uh, what's it, Warren Johnson, or you spoke to uh, oh, I can't even think of the names. These guys and they were all pro stock guys, but you spoke to uh, <clears throat> somebody who was running a fuel car or what have you. I'm I'm old enough, thank God, to remember when those guys built the motors. Those guys did everything. You could talk to the guy in the pits. That's why I love going to the, to the pits. I love the pits more than the racing because you could talk to them. I was a young kid, and they would most of them. Some of them were jerks, but most of them would talk to you. All right, talk to you, and then um, I remember going seeing. I was, uh, I think it was the Candies and Hughes funny car, but uh, uh, I who knows? Maybe it wasn't right. And they were changing the spark plugs in it. And the guy was taking the spark plugs out of the box and he was taking the plugs and he was holding them upside down and he was spraying in, he was spraying the center electrode and the cavity there and the side electrode with carburetor cleaner. So I said to him, what are you, you know, why are you doing that? He goes, because when they make a spark plug, lots of times there's a very slight porcelain dust residue that's left over. And then... Because of these engines, at the time they were probably making seven or eight thousand horsepower, not the thirteen thousand horsepower they are today. So he says, because of that potential of that <clears throat> of that porcelain dust in there for manufacturing and the high cylinder pressure, right, gets back to what is the Cadillac with the with the uh, flat cam, the high cylinder pressure. He says that porcelain dust could have could allow the spark plug to misfire. And that's why we wash the spark plugs before we put them in and we hold them upside down and spray them with carburetor cleaner because carburetor cleaner evaporates quickly and then anything will fall out. So ever since then, back in the 70s, late 70s, when I went to the drag races and the guy told me that when I put a spark plug in anything, all right, I wash it, I hold it upside down and I wash it with carburetor cleaner. I don't bathe it for 10 hours and I wash it and I put it in that way because I figure if it's good enough for a top fueler, it's good enough for my John Deere tractor. It's good enough for my Ranger. It's good enough for anything else. So the thing basically is that now, today, you see these guys, no prep king, these drag races, and I'm going to use this no prep kings for an example, all right? And then uh, these guys, you know, at first blush, like I said, it started to say before, because I come from old school, oh, my God, this guy must know so much about engines. He must know so much about, about this, about that. These people know absolutely, I shouldn't say absolutely nothing they're good drivers. I'm not going to say that. That they have through osmosis, they're exposed to certain things. All right, which the average person like me is not exposed to. They're exposed to certain things, but they're not truly a car guy. All right, somebody else is building the engine. Somebody else is putting it together. Somebody else, you know, and then yeah, and then he, somebody else is tuning it. Somebody else is doing all that, and they just became a driver. They became almost like a celebrity like a singer who sings a song but can't write two sentences together to write a song, but he could do a good job of singing it. And and that's what I have come to see. And what's happening in my estimation in today's world is that through society, through the world, through all these different forces, and I'm going to use the word forces, <clears throat> it's not too strong, is that we are 
the society is killing the car guy and the car the true car guy died or is dying all right and one of the things that they're doing is coming out with these or forcing down our throat i should say not coming out is these electric cars and uh the thing is that this and all this 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 if you look at, i mean i looked at and i'm not picking on ford because they're all the same but i just happen to see it the ford you know finally well not finally they introduced a 2024 ranger redesign it doesn't look that much different it looks more like a mini f-150 but showed the dashboard this thing's got this thing like a huge ipad in the middle of the dashboard i don't want that right maybe some people want it i don't want it all right i don't want to operate everything through an ipad because one of the things when you're operating machinery and even like when you know if anybody listens to my radio show i did an episode about the fent tractors and what the fent what fent does is when they design a tractor and i'm not saying anybody else doesn't do this but they make the switches have a tactile feel a special feel so you could look at so you could be looking at something else driving the tractor looking at the monitor looking at the at the how the planter is performing and you have to change something that you know this knob feels this way in my vehicles i could be riding in a snowstorm and tactilely i know how to go turn make the heater hotter or go from heat to defrost without looking with a touch screen you can't do that all right but with all of the things that they're, they're doing today the and they're removing the they're starving off and killing the car guy all right so if you look at a young person going into some sort of auto mechanics program today what they're not teaching them anything i shouldn't say not teaching it they're not teaching anything the true you plug into the computer the computer says this the computer says that they're teaching them to be akin to a guy and a person on the assembly line where you're putting apart a computer says you need a new module okay this is how you put the module on all right and that's what they're teaching them and and with all this and once the if 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 this ever does take hold ram down our throat with electric cars the car guy is going to be dead and i am the quintessential car guy and that is going to be the last nail in my casket right because i don't want an electric car there's nothing i'm you know and these electric cars today are so complicated you know people think of they think it's like a golf cart with a bunch of batteries in series uh well probably not even says we're in parallel bunch of batteries in parallel all right uh that there would do electric motor and a, and a rear stat to step on the throttle and make it move then uh, these electric cars are so complicated and we're not teaching electronics we're not teaching anything all right so they're so complicated and uh you know when i go when i go down through pennsylvania either to the mill in maryland or i go to get some tractor parts right along interstate out, outside of harrisburg on 81 southbound there's a, uh, a there's a truck dealer there i don't know it's you could see it up on a up on a up i don't want to say a cliff up on a hill looks down to 81 and there's a, i'd have to say at least for two or three years there's one of those no no keys and no kids whatever they call them uh, which was uh, that electric truck because it was tesla's first name all right had nothing to do with the tesla car company all right uh and that thing has been sitting there for 
I'm going to say at least two, two years, the batteries must be dead on. But, you know, what are you going to do with these electric vehicles when the batteries go dead on them? I'm not talking about the 12-volt battery. I'm talking about the battery that runs in them. I mean, you're going to come there with a jumper cable from a seven, from a 82 Ford and jump it. You're not doing that. But anyway, let me, <clears throat> let me get back on track here with this and say to you, why is it so important for the car guy to not die? Because... I'll recap, the true car guy has an understanding of how mechanical things work. And if you're a true car guy and you understand an engine, all right, the thing is that if you look at an engine, there's all aspects of, I'm not even going to say physics, there's chemistry in it because the fuel is a a chemical to mechanical conversion, right? There's physics in it. There's electricity in it, all right? There's centrifugal forces in it. There's everything that happens. Every science, we talk about STEM, right? Science, technology, and math, engineering, and math. Inside an internal combustion engine, there's every aspect, and I'll use the every, I'll use the word physics, even though it's more than just physics, inside that engine. And you have to have an understanding of, I'm not saying that you're going to design it. You have to have a basic understanding of it. And when you're building and you're racing and you're getting involved with things like this, then it forces you. Just like if you want to be a high-yield farmer, you may not. I don't know of a high-yield farmer that truly is a degreed agronomist. Maybe there are somebody out there. But what they're doing is they're delving into, they're looking at, they're taking the practical application of what it takes to grow a crop, for instance, like corn, and they're also looking at the science of of how, of the physiology of how a plant grows, its nutrient uptake, and they're the car guy, the true car guy of, of agriculture. The agronomist, he knows a lot of things and this, oh, blah, 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 blah. but lots of times they can't even get a seed to germinate in a pot, all right? But the thing is that, and I'm not saying everybody's that way. You know me, I'm not painting everyone with the same brush. But so if you look at the, the car guy using that term, not a guy who says, oh, I know that's a, I know that's an XYZ and that a 400 cubic inch motor. I'm not talking about that guy. That guy's just a, I, I call him a lifestyler, all right? that they like something to a certain extent, and but that's basically it. And then, why is it important to the world? Because if you look at the people, for the most part, I'm not going to say everyone, for the most part, that had the major breakthroughs in, in technologies, and I'm going to use the word technologies, in the world, or the people that really were able to make things happen, all right, a good majority of them were true car guys. You may say, oh, full of it, all right? Well, the thing basically is is that maybe I am full of it, but I, maybe I am, but I know that I'm not. If that's, That is a, 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 a statement in, uh, in conflict, all right? Because if you were to take someone all right, and they're going to design or they're going to repair something. So let's say the United States is in a war, right? You have young people today 
that do not know how to start a lawnmower engine. All right? They don't know how to start a lawnmower engine because they never have. All right? Let alone how it works. What is the choke? Why do you got to put a choke on? When I start my BMW, I have to put a choke on. I don't know. Right? So the thing is that you have young people today, and I know for a fact, because I've seen it here on the farm, very nice, wonderful young man, love him, works here on the farm. He can't read it. I mean, he's going, he's going to be going to college. He can't read a wristwatch because he grew up in a digital world. So if you just say to somebody, all right, so let's make a practical example of that. Now this person goes into the into the workforce, whatever they whatever they may be. Let's say they become a surgeon, all right, and they become a surgeon, and they then a heart surgeon, and there's some sort of new heart valve. And I'm making this up, right, as a as an as a potential example. And there's some new heart valve that they have to put in that came out with, and he's going for training to put this heart valve in. And the person from the valve company who makes the heart valve is saying, okay, doctor, when you put this valve in, all right, the threads are cut counterclockwise. So make sure when you put it into the artery, and like I said, making stuff, you have to turn it, make sure you turn it counterclockwise. If you turn it clockwise, one of the two threads will get it'll, it'll, the person will hemorrhage and die. You have to turn it counterclockwise. Well, if you don't know how to read a wristwatch, counterclockwise means absolutely nothing to you. All right? But if you know a crankshaft turns clockwise or a distributor turns clockwise or this current turns in an engine counterclockwise, all right, then that makes sense. So the things that you are learning are so foundational to making our nation strong. So you 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 get into to be ridiculous. I'm not going to say it's not even ridiculous, right? God forbid you get into a war, right? And and uh, you you say to someone, okay, go go start that tank, or go do this, or go do that, and and make sure make sure make make sure, you know it's a left hand thread on there. Don't snap when you're taking the track off. Just remember those are left hand threads. Well, what the heck is a left hand thread? They don't know what a left hand thread is. So the thing, what I'm I'm going to bring it to a close now, is that the foundation of life. Now, everybody can't be a car guy, and thank God, because we need doctors, we need school teachers, we need accountants. But just like years ago, when people grew up, and almost everybody that grew up had an had some exposure to an agrarian life, they may have lived in town, but they had a cow that they milked. They raised, they raised I think they called it a substance garden, so they, they could raise food for themselves, Right. They uh they had some chickens. They did something. They can't. They can't. I'm gonna be sexist, right? The girls and I and I'm proud of being sexist. So if I'm ticking everybody off, anybody off, I'm sorry. I'm proud of being. Se- I'm not sexist. All right. I'm a traditionalist. All right. So the the mother would teach the girl how to can something, how to cook something. The father would teach the boy how to milk a cow, how to chop wood, how to drive a tractor, how to fix something, how to, how to do some basic plumbing. I'm not saying you're an, an expert on it, but you got exposure to this. 
And these these people years ago growing up in this blessed nation were exposed to all of this. And then to a certain level, you don't need to be, right? And then they went to school, all right? Specifically after the GI Bill, they went to school and they went and they got an education in physics. They got an education in chemistry. They got an education in all of this, right? So you look when, 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 when you when you have a sprayer, all right, and you're putting tanks mix partners in your sprayer, there's a there's a there's a blending uh, uh, sequence that you're supposed to use. You're supposed to read it. Well, put this in first, then put that in. Put the put this much water, and then do this that. Right? Well, if you weren't exposed to that, you don't need to understand a hundred percent of the chemistry. You have to have a cursory knowledge of the chemistry to realize that you need to blend products in a certain order to get the desired result because sometimes you blend it in the wrong order you make a bomb and i'm not saying in your in your sprayer so the thing is that but we have lost all of that and the only to me and, and you know that i'm a realist that the only semblance of that left is the car guy and the car guy is dead as far as I'm concerned, the car guy is dead. Yes, people have cars. They have hot rods. They have this. They have that. They have no idea what the heck they have. There was a guy with a checkbook, and he, I pay this guy to build a motor. I pay this guy to do this. Yeah, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but and maybe somebody at 50 or 60 years old, it's too late for them. But when you have a young person, you have a young guy, all right, and he's going to go someplace. When I had my shop, you know, you know how many, and I, I mean, yes, I was grateful for them in a certain extent, but I was also sad for them. How many rich, rich young kids would come to my shop with a really expensive car, whether it was a new vet, a turbo Trans Am, a Mustang, and they would want it modified to go faster, to, to race, to drag race. Because they're driving, it doesn't mean that's one aspect of life, right? But the thing is that they they wouldn't know how to put an air filter in, or put air in the tires, all right? But they wanted this because it was cool. And the thing is that they... And so we are losing that foundation or lost it, right? The foundation of things. And then, as I said, I'm going to bring this all together. That foundation of understanding the different, all the different physics, the sciences of how an engine truly runs, not that the camshaft opens and closes the valves, or it truly runs is the catalyst that is the foundation for building the SR-71 Blackbird, for putting the man on the moon, for doing all the different things, that great, wonderful things that this nation has done in the past and sadly is not doing now. I cannot think of an engineering breakthrough that we've had in this country for a number of years, all right, that that is that is just just turning the world upside down. We're more worried about about that somebody may feel like a girl today and go into the girls' room. All right, we're more worried about that. All right, we're more worried about some singer they died or something, and and we're not doing that. And how can we do it 
You can't take somebody who's 40, 50, 60 years old and give them, you know, and I see that in my, I see that in my column I write for Hemmings and Muscle Machines. You know, you guys said, I bought this and I never had a car before and I never worked on it. I want to do this, I want to restore it. You know, and people sometimes I get nasty letters back, sometimes, so, because I shoot the guy down. I said, don't look. You know, because you bought a ratchet wrench, that does not mean that you're going to be able to rebuild this car or rebuild this motor or something, all right, because there's many dynamics that need to be involved. And as I said before, is that you have to... Now, so if you understand how a centrifugal weight and a distributor works, all right, and how it advances the timing, then you could understand how a centrifugal pump works. You could understand how some sort of centrifugal mechanism on a printing press works. You could understand how some, some centrifugal mechanism on a nuclear power plant works, if there is one, all right? But the fodder... The, the education, all right, you're not going to go build a nuclear power plant is rooted in being a true car guy. So now, am I saying that everybody has to go out and drag race, that everybody has to build a drag race motor? No, you do not, all right? The thing is that what you need to do is study how, study how engines work and the physics and the science and the dynamics of how an engine works. And, and, you know, to me, if you, if you do that, then you're going to start to get this foundation that you're going to, no matter what you are doing in life, all right, the thing is that you can apply that. It's not going to be apples for apples and oranges for oranges. So you're a farmer, all right, and if you understand about a spring pressure, if you understand about something, all right, the thing is that from an engine, you could apply that to your planter. All right. If you're a doctor, all right, and you're a surgeon, you could apply what you've what you understand with the human body. All right. If you understand how hydraulics work, then you could understand how blood pressure works because hydraulics is based upon the the blood pressure in an engine, right? Diastolic and systolic. All right. Because everything. So, like I say, it and and the car guy is is dying and there's not many of them left and our nation all right and i have listeners from around the world i mean i know that all right you know uh listener to this just announced today mr prout from australia same thing there you're australian you're german you're colombian you live in that you that's your country that's where you live not where you come to america and say my country colombia no 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 you come to america this is your country not colombia all right you stay in colombia and that's your country and i honor that don't come to my country and tell me it's someplace else is your country all right that's your country of birth but the same thing is happening all around the world but as an American, my concern is about my nation, all right? And your concern should be about your nation where you live. But we're losing all of this. If you don't have a young person today who knows how to read a watch, a wristwatch or a clock, and you can't tell them, turn that counterclockwise, and they look at you like you're from Mars, that we are in a very, very, very weakened state. But I am the forever optimist. We can turn this around. We can turn it around to a certain level. 
and but we need to have practical skills we need to have practical application we need to have practical experience all right and then we need to take that practical experience and a big thing today is stem science technology engineering and math science technology engineering math without a practical application to me is pie in the sky it's all abstract all right you need of course we need it but you need to have the foundation first and when you have that foundation then all of a sudden you are going to soar and your nation is going to soar. So, hey, a little bit different show today. But for those who are hot rod farmers, then make it a part of your life. I'm not saying that you quit everything that you're doing and delve into. And that's why I don't even like the magazines anymore, whatever's left of them. Because years ago, you bought a hot rod magazine, a car craft, a popular hot rodding. It was akin to an engineering journal. All right? I mean, now you look at Hot Rod Magazine, it's a, what we call in the publisher, it's a rag. You don't learn anything from it. They have all these million-dollar cars that somebody paid to build, nothing technology about it, or the biggest thing is swap. How do you swap this motor into that? Well, that's that's some practical application, all right? If you want to swap stuff, I'm saying has not going to say it has no intrinsic value, but the fact of the matter is that that's not going to build our nation to what it once was a nation of firsts a nation of 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 being the shining city on the hill that the scripture spoke about in the bible not just because of car guys all right but we need to accomplish things we need to do things we need to not pay somebody to do it and you know same thing has happened to my estimation in the medical field it's wonderful we have so many medical advancements and the only reason why i'm saying i'm talking with some level of authority on this because i'm certainly not a doctor but i had two elderly parents that were very sickly and went to a lot of doctors and my wife's mother charlotte's father died very quickly in three weeks after being diagnosed with cancer so that really wasn't didn't have much of a track record there and you know you'd go to the doctor because everybody is specialized today right all right so that's wonderful they know their specialty that, that that's wonderful but the guy don't give a damn about anything else so you go to a you go to you whatever so you go to a, a kidney guy and he gives you this medication or you go to a heart guy and he gives you this medication okay this is for your heart right okay thank you doctor you take the medication and then six months or a year later you got kidney problems or whatever something else problem and you say well, what happened right and uh, well like i think high blood pressure medication or so i've been told all right if i'm wrong in some ways in the medical field correct me that is really hard on your kidneys <laughs> and then you go into kidney failure you say well what killed your kidneys the high blood pressure medication well there's no synergy there's nothing nothing whatsoever then you go back to the, to the cardiologist he goes he says well yeah i gave you the high blood pressure medication. what killed yeah sometimes they kill your kidneys i'm being ridiculous in my tone of voice the way i'm saying this but i i, I cured your high blood pressure that's all i care about is high blood pressure just like i'm you know just like i have to go for this cataract surgery and i'm not, and i don't know whether i'm going to this doctor or not but anyway the thing basically is that you know, you look at these doc, this doctor, and that's fine. He's serving a purpose, and he's serving a wonderful purpose, right? Uh, because he's able to, you know. But you know, all he's like a guy who works on one transmission all day long. 
All right, yeah, I mean, that's wonderful because I don't want him to do something else. I don't want a jack of all trades. I want somebody who knows how to do a cataract surgery, all right, and then doesn't screw it up, all right? So the thing basically is, is that, but the fact of the matter is, is that does he know how to do anything else? I guarantee he doesn't even know how, doesn't even remember how a heart works, all right? And I may be wrong, so the thing is that, but with this specialization today, and then what's happening is that we're getting this, and the one, and there's no synergy, and then this synergistic knowledge, this foundational knowledge of being a jack-of-all-trades, a master of none, honestly, is what was the foundation that built this country into the greatest nation in all the world. And we, and a lot of it is in the post-World War II era, I should say a lot of it prior to that. No, the post was post, prior to the post-World War II era. It was the farm kid that was exposed to all different things that, that, that was the catalyst for bringing this country forward. And it's still a farm kid, but in the post-World War II era, it was the car guy. And the car guy is dead. And hopefully we could resuscitate him. So listen, it went really long. You have a blessed day. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And know that the Hot Rod Farmer's born for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. And I'm not giving up on America. So don't think that I am. I'm fighting for it till my last breath. <laughs>